Wish Podcast, where we discuss all things sports and debate. I'm Ace. And I'm Swish. And today, we have an intriguing episode. The Super Bowl was an absolute classic. In a 38-35 game, the Chiefs prevailed for their second Super Bowl, breaking our records down to 5-2 and two and 4-3. and three. I'm still the winner. Whatever. Let's get to why the Chiefs won in a quick Super Bowl recap. Take it away, Swish. This is something you got wrong. Man, I was so wrong to think one of the best defensive teams in the modern football era would actually be able to pressure Pat Mahomes. The Eagles had 78 sacks coming into the Super Bowl, the third most in NFL history across both the regular season and the postseason. Guess how many sacks Mahomes took in the big game from such a historic defense? Nil. Zilch. Nada. Zip. Nothing. Not. Sarah. You know, the number that looks like an O. I don't know what it is, but you can't just rob this guy at all. Maybe it's the scheme crafted by Andy Reid and Eric Bien. Maybe it's Mahomes' magical finesse to get away from opponents. Maybe it's the offensive line. But I barely saw Mahomes flustered at all, even when he re-injured his freaking ankle, which led to 38 points from the Chiefs' side. He's just unsackable. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles did everything right. Of course, he had a fumble that he probably liked back, but hey, everybody makes mistakes, right? Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, they all did their jobs and made key clutch plays as playmakers. Hurts had three rushing touchdowns and did his job passing the football as well. It was an awesome performance by him and the Eagles. There's no doubt about that. Jalen cemented himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But the Chiefs were just a little better. Yeah, I also think that holding call was a bit questionable. If the Chiefs took that field goal with about one minute left, then I think Hurts and the Eagles would have had a classic game-winning drive. But the Eagles made a crucial mistake at the end of the game. It just shows how disappointing that defense was in the game. And the way for the predictable game-winning field goal seemed like an annoying eternity with fans that were rooting for the Eagles. Yeah, but let's get to the main topic we have for you this episode. LeBron James, last week, surpassed the NBA scoring record. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was there. He congratulated him. Now, it looks like him and LeBron are still cool. This reignites a ton of GOAT discussions and whether this changes the race. And we got our first listener question around this time occurred. Shout out to Mr. Jeff, Michael Jordan, or LeBron. So, we knew we had to drop an episode on this debate. Swish, does LeBron surpassing the scoring record change anything about the GOAT debate? I think it does. Not as significantly as like winning a sixth championship, but it is more weaponry for LeBron stands to throw at the adamant Jordan lovers. He has scored the most points in NBA history. He's got to be the GOAT, right? It does show LeBron's longevity and is something he achieved that MJ could not. Jordan did lose several years either due to injury or retirement, though. He missed a lot of his second season, so there's a ton of points there. He lost the 1993-1994 to season, a lot of the 1995 season, the 1999 lockout season, the 2000 season, 
the 2001 season. Plus, we got to think about this. Jordan came to the NBA after three indelible college seasons out of the University of North Carolina. LeBron didn't even play a college season, so that's three more years of scoring that MJ lost compared to, to LeBron because he played in college for so long. I'm not saying that MJ would immediately be a star like LeBron. He wasn't necessarily the chosen one coming out of high school. But if he stayed for only one or two seasons, I think he could have several, one or two more star years. Even then, though, LeBron probably still would have broken the record and surpassed MJ and Kareem at some point. Great point, which is weird since you never bring up great points. I think there's a case to be made. LeBron could have also broke Kareem's scoring record, perhaps, which launches our discussion on the aforementioned longevity. Which is more important to you, longevity or peak? Boys, longevity is something that LeBron has proven he is the best at in NBA history, and it's not even close. MJ, on the other hand, had one of the best peaks in NBA history at the top of his career, but many argue he didn't sustain it for a longer time because he took breaks. If we were talking about the greatest player of all time purely, I'm going with Peak 100%. Peak shows how good a player was during their prime and thus introduces the idea of superiority. In my best season, I was better than you, so I'm greater. Longevity makes this more complicated, though, because which player you take in, the player who averages 30 in one season or the player who averages 25 across five seasons? I bet many will take the latter. But in this debate, purely, I'm going with peak player 100%. You could make an argument if Jordan was the best player in basketball for 10 years, won six rings. LeBron has been one of the best players in the NBA for 20 years and has won four rings. Which one are you taking? I'm taking those Jordan years over almost any player in NBA history besides maybe Bill Russell. Right. And are we really believing that Jordan would have not added to his peak years if he didn't retire for the 1994 and 1995 seasons? So yes, we don't take into Scott longevity a lot. And one more point before we move on. I think longevity is very biased towards today's modern era where players have, players have more technology and nutrition knowledge than there was back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. If MJ was in this era, I think he could potentially have a 20-year career as well. Retirement aside. Alright, let's move on to peak. Did MJ really have a better peak than LeBron did, Swish? Well, I've been thinking about it, and while I still do think MJ had one of the best peaks in MJ history, I think LeBron is a little closer than some people think. I'm going to refer to two seasons that illustrate LeBron's greatness. The 2007 Cavaliers and 2018 Cavaliers. The 2007 Cavaliers had Larry Hughes as the second best scorer, and he averaged, I think, 14 points on pedestrian efficiency. And guess what? They still went to the NBA Finals thanks to a random guy named Bron James. A 22-23 year old single-handedly carried his team to the biggest stage in basketball. Okay, maybe the strength of competition wasn't great. They did get swept up by Tony Parker and the San Antonio Spurs in the finals. But that's where the 2018 season comes in. The 2018 Cavaliers were ravaged with injuries. Kevin Love, who is better than Larry Hughes for the record, was the second best player. And even then, he probably isn't an elite second option on a contending team. 
they had to face three 48-plus win teams en route to the NBA Finals, the Indiana Pacers, Toronto Raptors, and the Boston Celtics. And they still made it. It shows that LeBron, in his peak, was the guy who could carry an otherwise really catastrophic team to the NBA Finals. Not bad. Winning matters, though, Swish. LeBron went 4-6 in, in the Finals. MJ went 6-0. Six 6-0 and zero. Six and zero is better than 4-6. Yeah, sure, but one could look at this as LeBron reaching the Finals 10 times with worse rosters and then running into complete dynasties like the Warriors and the Spurs and losing. I'm not saying LeBron had a better peak than MJ. MJ was a better player, and I think most that have watched MJ in his prime would agree with me. I'm just playing devil's advocate. LeBron was a great player, too. Agree to disagree. MJ won more during its peak, and that's what really matters. Anyway, let's get to one of the most important arguments that has been thrown both ways. Whether each player needs help to win a title. I mean, duh. I'm not even sure why this dominates the goal debate so much. MJ needed Pippen. LeBron needed Kyrie, D-Wade, Navy. Basketball's a team sport. Simple as that. Of course it is. So now that we've cleared up just a few of our thoughts on the central of the GOAT debate discussion, let's get to who was the best player individually. Let's start with shooting. I'm going to give the edge to MJ. Wait, 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 wait. Please don't abandon this podcast. I know what you're thinking. Swish is crazy. I'm not listening to this madman anymore. But hear me out. Shooting isn't just about threes. It's about eras and whether you can simply shoot the ball at inefficient rates. MJ had a lethal mid-range jumper, and his touch on that was pristine. LeBron has also trained himself to shoot decently to finish this era, but let's be honest, he never has actually been talented at that, and sometimes his erratic shooting has been very inefficient to his team. I think MJ in this era could be a great shooter. His best season shooting was better than LeBron's. He shot 43% from three on three attempts per game during the 1996 season. He had real touch, and I think he would have trained himself to shoot well even in this era. LeBron, on the other hand, I don't think he has that same touch that MJ had. Man, there's no way. There's not going to be a big enough sample size to say MJ would definitely shoot threes well in today's modern NBA. It's that mid-range, though. I think MJ could stress that touch out to three. It's just about opinions, I guess. Agree, disagree. Let's move on to athleticism, which is probably the toughest one to analyze. I might just give these tie, these guys a tie because I can't really decide. On one hand, MJ has one of the highest verticals in NBA history, mind-boggling hang time, elite speed because he ran a 40-yard dash in 4.4 seconds. Changes of direction, footwork, quick hands, great length. He had a total package. But LeBron's body is just on a completely different level. This combination of speed, size, footwork, and hops is on a whole different level as well. I'd give MJ the edge personally just because he was faster and he had the higher vertical jump, which is more important than LeBron's size. But it's all about opinion. Next is finishing. And this is another tough area to analyze, Ace. They're very different finishers and played in very different eras. Jordan had to finish against the bad boys, and the game was a whole lot more physical in his era. LeBron is simply a tank. 
Jordan with his hang time was able to finish in the air, move through tight spots, and lay it up smoothly off the backboard. LeBron uses his force to make tough shots way easier. This is another difficult one, but I think LeBron has the edge. I value finishing through contact a lot. I think his strength will make it a whole lot easier to finish, even against the bad boys, and he has good enough touch to rival MJ. This is another tough one that a lot of people will probably disagree with me about, but I'm going LeBron. Nah, MJ is the better finisher. LeBron hasn't finished against the bad boy Pistons. And to be frank, he'd probably be begging for the fouls instead of finishing at the rim. Whatever, that's playmaking. Yeah, this is a lot easier, even though I do think MJ is highly underrated in this area. LeBron just has more of a passer mindset and wanted to set up teammates more instead of get his own. His rim pressure is unrivaled, and he benefited off of plenty kickout perimeter passes with shooters around him. One more point, though, that does play in MJ's favor. He didn't have the spacing LeBron has had during his career. If he had a shooting specialist on his team that are in the NBA today, the at least the excess of shooting specialists, I would bet that MJ would have racked up more assists. Okay, I'll give LeBron some respect. He does have the edge in terms of playmaking. Finally, we'll close out with defense. For the record, if you say LeBron here, switch, you're delusional. Don't worry, Ace. I'm not that big of a madman. MJ had more consistent defense than LeBron has had and was one of the key pieces of unquestionably one of the best defenses of all time. MJ's defensive IQ, elite athleticism, hands, and quickness made him an excellent defender. I suggest all of you listeners read Jackson Grimaud's piece on MJ dominating the NBA on defense. LeBron has also shown classes of excellent defense, but hasn't been consistent at all throughout the course of his career. His Miami Heat days were the peak of his powers on this end, where he shut down prime Derrick Rose during the playoff series, and had plenty of chase down blocks. Memorable moments when he was locked in. But current LeBron is a terrible defender who rarely guards the team's best offensive player. Sometimes he wants to use his versatility and athleticism. Sometimes he doesn't. Maybe it's about the offensive load he carries. But regardless, he's just very inconsistent. Yes, MJ was dominant defensively, and LeBron has not been that. So the final question is, who is the greatest of all time? Of course, there are some people who think it's Kareem. Some people think it's Wilt, some people think it's Bill Russell, and a bunch of other theories. But between LeBron and MJ, I'm going MJ. His aura, his skill, his intangibles, his winning mindset are unmatched. Simply, if I'm trying to win a basketball game, and I want a player who's going to help me the most, it's going to be MJ all day, every day. Yeah, it's a pathos argument, but there is no player that dominated the NBA individually more than Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Yeah, it is neither. Bill Russell. And the fact that neither didn't drop a follow on the podcast.
Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy. Make sure to drop a follow or else. Peace.